back. Dave Schultz and Sports Chat are back. I'm back, baby! I'm back! One change, though. I'm sorry, that deal's now off the table. What? We live in a different world than we did just 30 seconds ago. Instead of waking you up, he's taking you home from work. Hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? I'd like that. Talking Cajuns, Tigers, Saints, all of it. I am your father. Buckle up, Acadiana. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! It's time for Sports Chat with Dave Schultz on 103.3 The Goat. a good time on a Friday, usually a fired up Friday, but this is a feel good Friday. Sports chat, Lynn Burden right here on 103.3 The Goat, joined by my co-host for the day, Lil Reg. Um, so we, we've discussed the Washington Commanders, how they are interested in a name change. We've discussed uh, Dan Snyder being fine. So I want to discuss five ways you can make the Washington Commanders better right now. And number five, I'm going to be honest, is the name change. Yeah, I, I put rebrand on my list too. Is rebrand. Now, with a rebrand, do you change the colors? No. That's mm. my one thing. I'd keep the colors the same and have a little bit of continuity with the fans. But I'd guess, yeah, the name and logo has to change. Yeah, the name, the logo, get rid of that. Number two, make a decision on Sam Howell. Yeah. Is Sam Howell, I mean, number four, going because we're going up. Yeah. Is Sam Howell your starting quarterback going forward? Is this the guy you want? I think at this point they kind of have to ride out with Sam Howell being mm-hmm. their quarterback because I feel like there's no one good right now that they can go get out in the market. And so I feel as though if you can develop Sam Howell into being the guy he was at North Carolina, I think that it That'd could work out for the— I or, think it or, or you tank. Him. To tank yeah. for Caleb or Drake May? I mean, you could tank, but the Saints are getting ready to tank for Caleb Williams. No, <laughs> don't do that. The Saints are playing with Derek Carr. Ooh, you're going to make them people start calling, bro. What are you doing? Nah. The, the Saints are playing, trying to make a Super Bowl this year. We better. Uh, yeah, they better. Exactly. Yeah. You know, real, real talk. All right, and number three, they, do you hire a new coach to get all of the Dan Snyder you stuff have to. out of you there? You have to. So you're getting rid of Ron Rivera. If you want to do a full cleaning house, you have to get rid of everybody and Really say we're starting from fresh. And this is our team. Yeah, this is our team. This is a completely different direction we're going. You keep, I think you keep Ron for a year, for this year. Because training camp just opened. Oh, yeah, okay. You see, since he is still like a stalwart within that team, I guess you'd, you'd go a year, see how see it goes. See how he does. And if, if he, he does, does, okay, carry on because you don't want to stop what's going good. If he doesn't, yeah, you, you get him out of here. Him, you get him out of here. Number two. So we did we did five, four. Three, this is number two, embrace the Washington, D.C. music scene. Get the Wale's, get the the go-go artists, embrace the music scene because Washington, D.C. fans, can t- it, it can be a party there. It can be like New Orleans. It can be like some of these musically heavy cities. People don't realize that Washington, D.C. has a big, big music scene. Embrace that. And allow that to to be a part of the things that you do as a football team. For example, they already showed Magic Johnson at training camp with the other owner, Josh Harris, dancing to some go-go music. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Embrace the culture of Washington, D.C. and let it permeate throughout the franchise because Dan Snyder 
never embraced that. Dan Snyder was never about the Washington, D.C. locals. He was he was never about, oh, getting into the community and really, like, embracing that. Yeah, and I feel as though, like, that was one of the things I wrote down was, like, rebuilding fan base confidence. Is that It's a sense that an owner sits away in his ivory tower, makes the money off the team, but has no connection to who he's owning or knows mm-hmm. nothing about it. And that's what a lot of people say about American owners and other kinds of sports. And so I feel as though by them ingratiating themselves into the D.C. culture, but still making themselves separate from, like, the big DMV area, I feel as though will serve them well. And then the final thing I got for you is make a splash in free agency. Yeah. You need a star. You need yeah. Next season, you need to get a star because I consider this season as the last Dan Snyder season, even though they're in charge right now. They got put in right at training camp. It's a burner year. Exactly. Yeah. Next season, when you start off with your new team name, your new logo, have a star. Because right now, the commanders don't really have a star. Yeah, no, the Commanders is really just a hodgepodge of fillers trying to be started. Like, shout out to Terry McLaurin. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean... Terry's good. Terry's good, but... Scary Terry? Yeah, Scary Terry's good, but I mean, if I'm Scary Terry, I'd be trying to get out. Yeah, true. True, so, true, 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 true. I don't know who else... I don't know what else they can do in that situation, you know, except play through the year and see what happens. Yeah. Because they have to they have to figure something out of to sell tickets and to sell jerseys and... The best way to do that is getting a star player. Yeah. Having someone who you feel can represent the team the right way. And then, you you know, you bring them on and they're your franchise guy. You need a franchise. You need a linchpin guy to attract any kind of connection to your team, especially whenever you're in this, not just a rebuild, really a reconstruct of a yeah, team. Yeah, true. And a reconstruct of a season they're about to have. Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. 1033thegoat.com. Now, do, are you big in the Madden ratings? No. Do you want to know who the how, who the top 10 quarterbacks in Madden ratings were? Sure. Number one. Who do you think's number one? It's either Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen, don't don't disrespect the God. Don't disrespect the God, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, no, I, look, I get that. Patrick is number one. Yeah, but you 99. See, but see, I didn't know. Josh is a scrub. Josh is not that bad. You think he's number two? No. Who's number two? Number two is probably... Oh. Give it to me because Josh is probably three. Joe Burrow, yeah. number two, 95. The goat. The goat. Shout out to Joe. Josh is number three. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, shout out to Josh. Number four, Lamar Jackson, 91. Okay. Number five, Jalen Hurts, 88. Number six, Justin Herbert, 87. This is a little controversial for me. Number seven, Dak Prescott. Oof. Over Aaron Rodgers. I don't like that. Honestly, Prescott should be outside the top 10. If we really, if we're mm. being 100% about it. You think Prescott should be out the top 10? Either, either he's 10 or he's not in there at all. Because I, I feel like as though Dak, Dak Prescott contributes so little to that Cowboy team half the time. Mm. That I don't think he's, he's worth that rating. Look, I'm going to say Dak Prescott should have been eight. Eight is still. Eight. Because look who's nine. Kirk oh, Cousins. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You and see, you see 10, maybe I need to know who the bottom and was. And then 10 is Tua. Okay, yeah, yeah, Like, okay. he's see, better than that. Okay, wait. No, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually upset now. Because Trevor Lawrence should be top 10. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence should be top 10. You know, Jared Goff has a case. Deshaun Watson has a case. Yeah. Uh, but... Dak Prescott, okay, so if I had to redo it, I would do Pat 1, Joe 2, Josh 3, Lamar 4, Jalen 5, Justin 6, Aaron 7, mm-hmm. Dak 8, Kirk 9, Trevor Lawrence 10. Okay. 
He should, I can agree. Also, we're still forgetting Matt Stafford, who is still I mean, pretty Matt good. Stafford was hurt. He's not even in the top 20. He's not in the top 20? No. He they just won have, a Super Bowl a year ago. They That's don't have him saying. in the top 20. Dude was hurt. I mean, look. His shoulder's barely holding on to his to, he He's barely holding too, on so to his shoulder. Yeah. His shoulder's falling off his body. So Well, at least he won a Super Bowl and he can get out. Shout out to Geno Smith coming in at 12. Gino's Jared Goff, 13. Both of those revitalized their career. Kyler Murray, number 14. Derek Carr, number 15. Okay. Deshaun Watson, 16. Okay. Jimmy G, 17. Russell Wilson, 18. Tannehill, 19. Justin Fields, 20. So most of it, it's pretty. I'd agree with most of those picks. I don't agree with the Aaron Rodgers thing. Yeah, That's no, crazy. Aaron Rodgers is That's crazy. Yeah. There's no way Dak Prescott is better than, than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But Dak Prescott should be top 10. Oh, yeah. Top 10 yeah. at number eight. For yeah, sure. I'd agree. Now, there people that have been discussing, I wrote an article about this, is who should be on quarterback season two. Did you see quarterback season one? I, I didn't finish you it. You didn't I watched watch it. it? No, I didn't finish it. I've watched the first episode. Just the first? <laughs> yeah. I, got, I, I got was tired. hooked I after tired. the first. I, I got tired. I, I stayed up and watched it. Oh, that's crazy. The fact that Patrick was dropping F-bombs was just... I, I loved it. I never thought Patrick had that in him. He I seems know. like such a nice guy. I, well, look, I like that they let him be real. Yeah. I loved it. So a lot of people are asking who should be on quarterback season two. Who would you have? Get your take on this. Jeez. So Pat is season one. Pat season one. Kirk Cousins and uh, Marcus Mariota. Trash. Oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. The whole time I started to see, I was like, wait, he's gonna get cut. Now, if we want to have an interesting guy, I'd go Tua. But I understand. That, oh like, yeah, you can't do that. But you don't want to do that. Yeah, because the concussion yeah, stuff. You can't do that. Can't, yeah. So then I'd say. Look you at probably, you on controversy. I mean, look, if you just want to keep the eyes on the screens, but I will say you, you'll probably have to, you'll probably, I mean, you should follow Joe Burrow. It won't Joe be Burrow. as real. You should follow Joe Burrow. Is oh, it? Joe Burrow's number one. Yeah. Joe Burrow, <laughs> Joe Burrow is, is the season two's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But number two, who you put in the Kirk role is like the mid-tier quarterback. I said Derek Carr. Derek Carr, yeah. Because he's an underdog. Yeah, and his move to the Saints. But I do think Dak Prescott's a good one as well. Cowboy, star in the helmet. People love it. America's team. People where would you watch. put Lamar then? Or you want to put Lamar for like a season three? I wouldn't put Lamar in the season because I'm putting a rookie. Okay, I think okay. the third spot shouldn't be a struggling quarterback. Okay. I think it should be a rookie. Okay. Therefore, we see the rookie process. And then that allows fans to say, hey, okay, I understand where this person is coming from as a rookie. Because fans are quick to say, oh, play him. Or when he's bad as a rookie, get him out of here. Get him out of here. But you don't know what they go through as a rookie. Yeah. And I think having this show being such an inside look at what these quarterbacks go through, I think having a rookie would be great. So like following like Bryce Young or one of the up-and-coming guys? I said CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud. Because, because Houston is I, rebooting I, as well. I'd also say fighting the whole Wonderlick allegations. True. Right, true leading true, up true, to true, the true. draft probably weighed heavy on him. True. True, yeah. true, 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 true. But I mean, if you want cookie cutter, you can go Bryce. Yeah. But those are the guys I think. Some people said Justin Herbert. Some people said Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Honestly, Jalen Josh Hurts Allen. would be really interesting because he resurrected that Philly squad. Jalen Hurts is just such a good guy. I mean, look that I don't know. He he be he's like Kirk. Like dude's a good dude. He's not doing anything crazy. Yeah, he's almost too nice. A little bit, a little yeah. bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> also, uh, here's some other things while we're going through NFL news. C.J. Gardner-Johnson continues to make noise. He called out Saints fans, said we were just fat and like to eat nasty food. He called New Orleans food nasty because he was salty that he left. Well, he just called out Philly fans. He said, the the people, they're 
insert explicitive F word, oh. obnoxious. Look, they're toxic because I have a friend who's a, who's a big Eagles fan. Mm. They're toxic, but I don't want to say that they're I don't obnoxious. Think they're, yeah, I'm like, I mean, look, any fan base who truly is a diehard will be a little obnoxious because you're repping where you're from, you're repping your team, and you've been growing up with that team. But see, Philly fans be booing their players. I mean, look. Hey, get their minds right. Yeah, I mean, look, s- some fans will do that to you, but I mean, honestly, that just shows that you need to do better. True. Because if your own people are going against you, maybe that's not true. a sign of them being obnoxious. It's that you're not performing. True, 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 true. 103.3 The Goat, let's take us a break. When we come back, going to have my guy David Grubb talking Saints. I'm going to ask him some baseball questions, talk a little Pelicans, talk the gamut. That guy is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to sports right here on 103.3 The Goat. It's a good thing goats have four stomachs. Otherwise, there's no way we could swallow some of these takes. Hey, goat, what's going on out there? 103.3 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year, which means... Wait, 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 hold up. Question for the audio engineer. Go ahead. Did I read that right? Discover automatically doubles all your cash back? Yeah. That's what the script says. So if I get a Discover card right now, I can earn twice the cash back. Apparently. Wait. Unlimited first year cash back match. Only from Discover. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash match. Before I was adopted, I felt alone. I felt nervous that I wouldn't have a family. I was getting older and older. I didn't think I was going to get adopted. With help from the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption, Lexi, Connor, and Lashana now have a forever family and the foundation for a bright future. When I was adopted, it was like, wow, I get to settle, and this is permanent. After I was adopted, I felt happy. Adoption changed me for the better. I feel like I can be whoever I want to be. Every child deserves a safe, loving, and permanent home. Help the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption find forever families for children who have been lingering in foster care the longest. Learn more at DaveThomasFoundation.org. We are the NFHS. That stands for the National Federation of State High School Associations. But really, what we stand for, together with the LHSAA, are the 110,000 high school sports students in Louisiana. And so we stand. We stand for the runners, soccer, and basketball players. We stand for their coaches, administrators, and officials. We stand for the swimmers, football players, and wrestlers. We stand for the golfers, softball, and volleyball players. We stand as the national leader and advocate for high school athletics and all who participate in them and make them possible. Because it is our purpose to ensure that high school students get to play, perform, and compete together. To learn more about who we are and what we stand for, visit nfhs.org. 
Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley welcoming you back to Susan's cubicle here in Accounts Payable. What an afternoon of non-stop bookkeeping action, Charles. Are you kidding me? She set herself a reminder to get out of that chair and move. That's a smart use of a timeout. She's somehow still reading her emails while getting her heart rate up and moving her muscles. Healthy habits that could lower your risk of cancer. Uh-oh, it's Karen from the IT department. This is a wrinkle no one saw coming. She means well, but she just derailed the yoga class down in accounts receivable. There she goes with one of her usual distractions. But Susan just tosses her a no-look way. That's a crazy move. Let's watch that again. She's stretching, and there's the effortless side wave. Susan's putting on a clinic. Susan from Accounts Payable, dominating. Just get moving. It helps in the prevention of so many cancers. Stand up to cancer and Optum want to help you reduce your risk for cancer. Visit TakeAHealthyStand.org. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. wasn't for goats, we wouldn't have coffee. Look it up. I'm gonna get some coffee. You want some coffee? No, thank you. I'm fine. And the best sports talk in Acadiana. 1033 The Goat. Welcome back to 1033 The Goat. Sports check with Dave Jones, Lindenberg, filling in as the main host. We got my guy Lil Reg with me. As the co-host, and we got a very special guest from Hard in the Paint. We got my man David Grubb coming in the show. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing well, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. Closer to closer to uh, NFL training camp opening, so that's a pretty good thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's gotten. We're in that little bit of a period where you know it, it, everybody's anxious, waiting for camps to to really get going, and and um. You know, but I think for us in sports media, and we need that. We need this little break between Facts. the College World Series and the NBA playoffs, and you know, baseball taking its little. You know, before we get into the stretch run, we needed this little time here, man. No, one hundred percent. Well, let me ask you because I'm just I, I'm just getting into baseball. I told uh, Dave Schultz I would pick a baseball team. I did. I picked the Phillies to to root for this year. Uh, who do you think is the front runners in baseball? Because I know you do MLB Bro, which is great work over there. Who do you think are the front runners this year? And tell us a little bit about who people should expect to see really make some noise in this upcoming uh, MLB push for the World Series. Well, I think the team that everybody has to, you know, it starts and ends with it is the Atlanta Braves right now. Um, they've just been so good everywhere. And I think that's what separates them um, from other teams in the bigs is that, 
you know, the Braves are winning two out of three at home and two out of three on the road. And that's really hard to do. Um, and, and when you put up, like, I think they also still have the largest run differential in baseball. I think maybe maybe only the Rangers have a better offense. So, I mean, the, the Braves are right there when it comes to being top offense. And then they're one of the top three or four pitching staffs in all of baseball, too. So, I think the American League, it starts with the Braves. I mean, the National League, excuse me. But the Na- the American League is a lot more jumbled because, you know, Tampa's been slow as of late. Baltimore took over first place for the first time this year after Tampa got off to that crazy historic start. Um, and now the Orioles are right in the mix. The Astros have gotten hot. The Rangers have been good all year. I think the American League is going to be, you know, there's no clear-cut favorite there at all. Um, it's just interesting, again, that the best player in baseball, Shohei Otani, is likely not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's a sad thing. I was I was hoping that Shohei would get traded somewhere, but I, I don't know if that'll happen. Let me ask you, if you had to pick a dark horse uh, in the same vein of the favorite, who would you say the dark horse is that people could be like, oh, uh, someone that someone wouldn't expect to make that push? I don't think anybody wants to play, you know, the Brewers in a short series because they have elite uh, an elite bullpen with Devin Williams, um, and they manufacture if they can get. Uh, a little bit better offensively. Uh, that's been their biggest issue. They're really solid defensively, but they don't score enough. If they can get a little more offense, I don't think people want to play them. Um, certainly, you know, you can't have these conversations without talking about the Dodgers who have talent from top to bottom. But for some reason, it just seems like it hasn't, you know, come together for them. But um, until these last couple of weeks, they've had to deal with a lot of injuries this season. So, I mean, certainly you're looking at the Dodgers. And I wouldn't, you know, count out the Giants as far as making a late run, um, it just the team that, that I think everybody is the biggest disappointment in baseball certainly would be the Padres. But even with them only being 10 games out in the National League, if you get hot with that offense, they could get back in it. But I, I really think it's, it's, it's probably more likely that Milwaukee or San Francisco really catch somebody slipping. 103.3 the go. We have David Grubb. Just had to ask him a little baseball stuff. Let's transition the Commanders have a new owner in uh, Josh Harris with Magic Johnson as the minority owner. And Magic came out today to discuss a name change. Do you think that they should change their name? And if they do, how far do you think the rebranding should push? We've asked our callers today. Some people said change the name and the logo. Some people said just change the name. Some people said maybe they need to change everything, the name, the logo, and the colors. What, what, where do you see this falling? And what would you do if you were Magic Johnson and Josh Harris? I think it's, it, this is the optimal time for them to do a complete separation because that all those things are going to be remnants of the past really soon. You know, this is the Washington football team, whatever it's going to be, if it's going to be commanders in the future or whatever. Um, they're trying to get a new stadium back in Washington, D.C., move back to the city. That's a good time to do a rebrand when you're trying to build a new stadium. You've got new ownership. Time to do a new rebrand to me. The NFL is looking at expansion. The NFL is looking at all these things. Now is the time to do it. Because quite frankly, it doesn't matter what you call the team. People get over that stuff. As long as the team starts winning, you know, people will forget everything else that you want. But if you want to make your stamp as an owner, and I think, and you want to separate from – Quite frankly, it's not a new history. You talk about that franchise, you go to its founding, and it's got a really dark history. Um, I think, yeah, you, you, as an owner, you have the right 
to, to rebrand and reshape the future of that team. Let that legacy, quite frankly, of a lot of the things that went on in Washington and, and that associated with that franchise die. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm with you. Uh, would you change the colors? Because I because I do think I'm with you with everything. I think the colors fall into that. I just I just don't want, I just don't know if you think that could alienate fans with the colors. It always depends on what the logo is. Fair. You know what I'm saying? People yeah. get over people get over colors if the logo is fire. If the gear looks tight, true. People get over it. True, like, true, true, you true, true. A bad product. You know what I'm saying? Then you got a problem. And I think that's that's what the issue is. But you know what it means? It always means money. You know what I'm saying? The minute you do all that, that means all the people got to chuck their stuff and get new new gear. Oh, that's money in the bank, too. So you're, you're just racking up dollars because you're going to pick up new fans. The people who weren't fans, like of maybe of your team, but now they see your logo or whatever, and you know how people are now. There's no, there's no this deep-running loyalty. People jump teams based on the players now more so than they are re- loyal to region. So I think that, you you know, a rebranding could make you more popular worldwide. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. And then that, that'll that help sell merchandise. That'll help sell all kind of stuff. And like you said, get you on the right foot. Now, let me ask you, the Saints are getting ready to gear up for training camp. What are some of the things that you want to see from the Saints change going into this season? And what are some of the things you want to see the Saints implement so they can take that next step? Because I'm going to be honest, Dave, with the schedule they have, the quarterbacks they're facing, if this team doesn't win, then Dennis Allen is out of there, in my opinion. He should be, at least. How do you feel about the Saints going into this training camp and what some, I guess, expectations that fans and media alike should have? I mean, the honest truth is the NFC, once you get past uh, Philadelphia, there's not a single team in the NFC that you look at and go, yeah, that's a really, really good team. They have really good pieces, but every one of them has a major question. If we're talking about San Francisco, you talk about their quarterback question. If you talk, you know, whatever team, if it's Dallas, they got questions. If it's Washington, they got questions. Green Bay, so there's questions. So if you're the Saints, yes, you're in a really good position. If you can be okay at the quarterback position, which was, has been the biggest problem the last two years in keeping you out of the postseason, if you can be okay, and with Derek Carr, you expect to at least be that, you had better be competing for, at the very least, a division championship, if not a top two or three seed in the NFC. That being said, some things have to happen differently. Number one, the Saints have to get a pass rush. They did not have a great pass rush the last t- couple seasons, and they've got to find one of these inexperienced linemen that they've picked up Somebody's got to emerge and help Cam Jordan because as, as good as he's playing at his age, he's st- it's still getting harder and harder for him to put up a double-digit sack season. Yep. So they've got to start generating some pressure. And I think the other part is you, you got questions about the offensive line. You know, there's a lot of potential there, a lot of high draft picks, four first-rounders and one second-rounder in that mix. But a lot of questions as to whether or not they can stay healthy, whether or not they can block for the run, because the Saints have not been able to run the ball effectively in two seasons. And some of that, yes, is on the passing game, but they have not blocked particularly well up front, and they haven't been able to stay on the field. So I think the the two lines are going to be the biggest questions. And then with the coaching staff, does Dennis Allen assert his own identity? Does he, and, and with what you got as far as your offense, does it become its own thing now? Are you finally done with trying to recreate what Sean Payton was doing or be something like that? Who is Dennis Allen as a head coach? We need to find that out. Yeah, we definitely do. And see, 
I, I'm worried about the offensive scheme because I still am not a fan of Pete Carmichael, especially a guy who said he wasn't interested in being there. You know, like I don't know what we can expect from this identity, but I will say in some of the videos from OTAs, I did like them having Alvin Kamara in the slot. I did like some of the drag stuff we've seen. But to your point, are you still going to mimic Sean Payton or, or are you going to be your own person? Yeah, are you going to take some chances? You know, that's been the big thing, too, is that this has been a team that hasn't taken chances with Dennis Allen. You know, how many fourth and ones did they pass on last year? You know, I decide to kick a field goal or punt rather than take a chance. And I think that that, that, that's something that Dennis Allen needs to add to to his personality. I mean, the great coaches, no matter who they are, at some at some point the window put the put the uh, point put the uh, call sheet down or the probability sheet and just go with what they think is right. And I think Dennis Allen needs to trust himself a bit more and take some more risks because they have as much talent as they've had in a very long time at the skill positions. Now, do you think this is somewhere where? We can see when it comes to the offense, I'm thinking of different ways they could scheme it up. Do you think we'll see a lot more Kamara in the slot with playing uh, Jamal Williams together? Or do you think Jamal Williams will just be a third down back? Because to your point, we have to run the ball better. And you don't go out and get Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller and all these guys if you don't run the ball better. But the thing is, are you going to run them in tandem or are you going to split split carries? How are you going to implement the Jamal Williams of the world? I think we've seen that Alvin Kamara is best in limited usage as a runner. You know, he's supposed to be a guy who gets touches. And it's not about just putting him in the running game. But it, the last two seasons, he's gotten the most rushing attempts of his career and the least yards per carry and the fewest touchdowns. So he's being used improperly. And so I think, yeah, you know, we talked about this two years ago when they invited um, – uh, what's his name? Uh, um, the, the 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 guy who was the St. Louis uh, Mike Marks. They invited Mike Marks to come in and talk about how to use Kamara a bit more like Marshall Falk, and we didn't see any of that implemented. So it's fine. We've heard about this before. Let's see it. We need to see Kamara in a slot. We need to see some more of those two back sets because those were what worked for him. When he and Mark Ingram were together, you had a more powerful runner to go alongside with him, and offense defense had to account for both. When you just put Kamara in the backfield and you've got him running between the tackles, man, that, that makes defenses very happy. Yeah, 100%. And, and it's getting the best out of your players. And to your point, it's like you have to use Kamara the best way possible. And he's not a three-down back. You have to use him sparingly, but use him in the pass game. Use him in, in, these, in these drags and these set motions and, and run him on the outside and have someone to run those inside lanes. Now, let me ask you, Another guy on the roster that I don't know where he fits, Taysom Hill. Is Taysom Hill just going back to wildcat gadget guy with special teams play? Because he's not the backup to me. That's Jameis. And, you know, Derek Carr's the guy. How do you see Taysom Hill's usage being used this season? Yeah, that's going to be the big question because, quite frankly, like you said, you cannot, you cannot put him on the, the, the roster sheet as a quarterback. On game day, even though they're allowing three quarterbacks now to, to do that, I think that they still would rather use that spot on the rookie um, and get, have him as your third quarterback because you want Taysom to be there as your tight end slash whatever, whatever. Now, the question is, last year, what did we see? In games, there would be drives that would be Taysom drives, and if the drive would work, and then you wouldn't see Taysom for another quarter, 
the other two quarters, yep. we went to a single touch. And again, this is part of it, is utilizing these players in the best possible way, which means don't you use them at one time and then say, and then forget about that tool. It's you have to use it as a constant threat. So I think that there should be packages that remain consistent with Taysom at all of those different positions, whether he should be lined up as a fullback with Alvin in the backfield, and that's a kind of a threat. And you've got two guys who can throw the ball with the quarterback and Taysom back there. Or if he's lined up as a tight end, if he's lined up even as a slot receiver at times, if you, however you want to do it, there's so many ways to get him on, and he's a guy that should get, again, you know, you put him in short yardage situations as, as a quarterback and those types of things, but he should be getting eight to ten touches per game. And I think that that's where you want him to be. That's going to be heavily dependent on Pete Carmichael, but I would rather have that problem of how to figure out how to get Taysom eight touches, how to get Alvin 16 touches, how to get Mike Thomas eight catches, and how to get, you know, uh, uh, the rest of these receivers that their their things that have then be where the Saints have been the last couple of seasons. You're like, can we get some people off the street who can give you a three yard catch? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Now, and speaking on that, are you worried about this wide receiver room, or or do you feel confidence in it going into the season? And I think it, you know you have to. It, it, it all depends on Michael Thomas. Thanks. That's that's what this is about, as, as the quality goes. Chris Olave is a star. He should be the number one receiver at this point. Now, you're not counting on Michael Thomas to ever be your number one, but he can give you elite production. If he's giving you still 80-plus catches, 1,000 yards, 5 plus five to 10 touchdowns, if that's what you can get out of Michael Thomas at this stage, fantastic. But if he's not there, yeah, it, it, that changes everything because the way defenses defend Chris Olave becomes different. The way you use Rashid Shaheed becomes different. And it, and it certainly impacts how they defend the running game. So Michael Thomas being available for at least 12 games is very, very important to this team. 100%. 103.3 The Goat talking a little NFL with my guy David Grevel. Let's transition to the NBA. Dave, what were your thoughts on Summer League, man? Were you excited with what you saw from the Pelicans? Were you worried? Where Where do you stand on some of the guys that we had in Summer League? And how do you see them fitting in in this upcoming season? Well, the main thing is, as you looked at the Pelicans, you took a look at the people who already have roster spots guaranteed. So you had Dyson. Daniels, who I think gave you what you wanted to see. He was more aggressive offensively. He looked good physically, looked stronger. Um, you know, he rebounded, he passed the ball well, and certainly we knew he was an elite defender already, and he showed that again. Uh, you know, led the Pelicans uh, in steals and was second in blocks So and, and led in assists and rebounds. So you couldn't ask for more from him. He didn't shoot the ball great. But again, it's summer league. I'm not worried about his shooting percentages beyond the three-point line as much as I was him attacking the basket. And he showed a floater. He showed a turnaround jumper in the paint. He showed some, you know, some baby hooks. I liked what I saw out of Dyson. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, the rookie, um, look, he just shot the ball really badly, but he didn't take bad shots. You can see he understands how to play basketball, and his release looks good. So if, and, the, and the answer, of course, is if he's playing, there's probably a problem for the Pelicans. He should not be getting minutes early if this team is healthy. And then the last guy, uh, Darion Seabron, who did lead the team in scoring, but I thought he's still too one-dimensional to, to make it to the full roster. I think he's still a guy who's a two-way player, needs to add things to his game. The person I think who put himself in the best position to get a two-way is Landers Nolly II. Uh, he shot the ball extremely well, um, particularly in that final game. 
he did a lot of things that that you know don't show up in the stat sheet. He's very smart, and he fits the profile of what the Pelicans like uh, in those guys. He's a he's a guy who played five years of college basketball, you know, made big shots, and has a skill set that adds something to this team in that he is an elite outside shooter. So I think he's a guy who's earned himself a two way. But overall. The main thing was Dyson Daniels, and I think you have to be pleased with his development going into year two. Yeah, and and see, I'm glad you said that about Dyson. I loved what he showed, the floaters, the getting to the rim. If, if Dyson can attack and learn to be aggressive continuously, then that's a guy you have to play. Yeah, he's talking about a six eight young man who's who's filling out. You see his body, and he's still look. He will he will still be the youngest guy on the roster this year. Jordan Hawkins is older than Dyson. So, you know, he's talking about a guy who's still very early in his career and is learning a role. And point guard to me is always is the hardest position in the NBA to learn as you go up in levels. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just a position that requires so much knowledge and information and, and the ability to understand when to attack, when to pass, all those things. And he really didn't have that opportunity to learn that last year because he wasn't supposed to. He wasn't supposed to play. And so I think his confidence was really shaken by that. But you could see as a concerted effort by the staff to get him going offensively. Yep, and and that's something they, they're going to have to – that's something he's going to have to continue to work on so he can get more on the court with the, uh, with the big roster. Now let me ask you, going into this season – are you worried that we haven't made a move yet for a big man or more shooting? Or do you think that the lack of move is because of the luxury tax where, where we sit? I'm not worried about shooting. I think the Pelicans have enough shooting. It's about who's taking the shots. True. You know, I mean, you know, the, the biggest problem was you weren't getting enough shots out of Trey Murphy, the third from three point range. You weren't getting enough shots from certain people over the course of the game. And, and the volume was really low. So I think overall, if the right guys are shooting, if CJ's getting two more threes, if B.I.'s taking two more threes a game, if, if Trey is taking three or four more, I think the percentage goes up. My biggest concern with the Pelicans have been the same for four years, the lack of room protection and the lack of a dependable backup point guard. You still don't have an experienced point guard back there who can run the offense in those situations where you know teams are keying on B.I. or making it tough for C.J., who is not a primary ball handler. He's a secondary ball handler who was miscast last year. So I think that, that hurts. And then, of course, this team is very small up front. And so a lot is going to uh, count on um, that young man Robbins from Vanderbilt to see if he can be a rim protector because right now there is no impediment for other teams who want to drive to the bucket against the Pelicans. Yeah, and uh, man, that that's something that they have to that they have to have to I think make a move for because Jonas isn't it and Jonas Willie has shown that he isn't he does not like to play Jonas. It's not in his in his uh the way he likes to run basketball, the way he likes to defensively scheme. I just don't see a a uh, uh, scenario where they can go into this season with Jonas still as their center. I think you can play Jonas as the starter if you have a good backup big to play defense, and that's all I've ever asked for for this team. Because I think Jonas shows, yes, he, he has serious weaknesses defensively, but it wasn't nearly as bad as people made it look because the onus is on the guards a lot of times. And the, and the wings who were letting people just drive into the lane and you're putting him in terrible positions. You know what I mean? Like, you've you got to help him. But knowing that, 
That's why you needed to have defenders behind him. And both backups, Jackson Hayes had never decided to be a defender or a rebounder. Thanks. And Billy Hernan Gomez was just not athletic enough to be that guy, even though he was a really good at trying hard and would do what he could do. He just wasn't athletic enough. So I think, yeah, they've missed out on a number of opportunities. And we watch, look, Nerlens Noel was sitting out there, and he just signs a deal. Now, he ain't, the, he ain't a savior, but that's a rim protector who was out there and available. And I think, yeah, the Pelicans have made some mistakes with that, and they will go into this season with the roster that they have and then see what happens. I think that's a mistake because you are, you are going to get a skewed vision of this team because I think the roster is still unbalanced. It's talented, very talented, but it's still unbalanced. That's fair, and that's something that I'm definitely interested to see how it plays out this season. It, it was running it back the right answer. Now, final question I got before we get you up out of here is, when it comes to the conversation on Twitter amongst fans and media, would you start? Would you allow Trey Murphy to be your starter or slash finishing the game, or do you go with a guy like Herb? Where do you stand on the start Trey Murphy, not stand, start Trey Murphy situation? I think you don't start Trey Murphy. Gotcha. And, I say this, and, and I say this only because um, starting does not matter. It's, uh, it's I think Trey should yep. become more. It's about finishing. And I think the role for Trey here is, and I've used this um, player as my example, is Manager Nobly. Manager Nobly was a starter as far as his talent went. He's just going to the Hall of Fame, right? And so, but his best position for that team was because he needed to operate at certain times free of having to give the ball to Tim or having to give it to Tony or having to give it to anybody else. It needed to be Manu's ball. When you start Trey, you think about the Pelicans. Zion is going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to have it a lot. B.I. is going to have it a lot. CJ is going to have it a lot. If you have Jonas on the floor, you better feed him. If, that's, if he's on the floor, you got to use him. So that's four people who got to get some and Trey. Herb ain't asking for shots while he's out there. If they come his way, they'll get there. But he's also your best defender. He sets your tone to start the game with four guys who we've already said are average to mediocre defenders at best. So you're going to take the elite defender out of that and leave the average to mediocre guys to, to, to start your games on a team that should not get off the bad starts. We know this. So to me, it makes more sense to give Trey. He can come in with that second unit and think about it. Jose, Herb, Trey, um, Dyson, whatever, Larry, you put that group together, you've got guys defensively who can create problems, and the shots go to Trey. And I think that's the important thing, is that he can be a six-man-of-the-year type candidate, a guy who could win a most improved player this year, but he could be a 20-point-per-game score off the bench for this team and give them elite production, which we saw last year was also a problem in getting consistent scoring. If you put Trey in the starting lineup, who is your number one scorer off the bench? True. That's that's a great point. And, and I like the, the Manu Ginobili thing because it's like, Trey, you can go out. If you are a six-man, go out and get your 20 to 15 to 20 points and maybe sometimes a little more because, like, to your point, if it's, if it's um, just him starting, people like Zion and B.I. will take shots from him. They just will. And... I think it would be better if you let him come off the bench. But I do think you have to finish with him, though, Dave. I do. Yeah, yeah. You, you, he's in your finishing group, certainly. On, it's, it, you know, it, it, but 
he doesn't have to like starting. People get caught up in starting. It's about the number of minutes and when you when you play it. He he's gonna be just fine. You know what I mean? Like I'm not. We know where Trey's. You know, like if he stays on this trajectory, we know where he's going. Yep. We know where he's going. He ain't gotta rush it. It's true. going to happen. True, true, and, true. And and the other thing too is Trey that you allow him. Like the thing for, that I want out of my younger scores is again confidence. He knows he can light up starters, but I'm really letting him feast against second units because now he can get dunks. You know what I'm saying? He can get he can run out. He can attack the rim. There's no Zion there. There's no Bi there. There's no all those things in those few minutes. If he's getting eight to ten minutes where he's the featured scorer, that doesn't come with him as a starter. That will not happen because the rotations won't allow that. But as a bench player, he can get those moments where it's just about getting Trey to rock. 103.3 The Goat. Thank you so much, Dave. Tell the people where they can follow you at on social media and get your podcast. Yeah, check out uh, Hard to Paint wherever you get your podcast. And please go to YouTube and subscribe to the Hard to Paint Sports Media channel. And you can follow me at DM Grub wherever you are on social media. And let me just say this. I love what you're doing building your network and your media channel over there at Hard to Paint. I'm very excited to see who you bring on in, in, in the future of it, because I think you're, you're doing some cool stuff over there. Man, we got more coming. Uh, folks, stick with us. You know, from the bird rights to uh, uh, Before the Whistle with Maddie Hudak, and then, of course, with me. And we got more folks that will be coming on soon enough. So big things are happening. 100%. Enjoy the rest of your day, uh, Dave, and have a good weekend, my man. You too, brother. Thank you. That was David Grubb. Let's take a break. We're running behind on breaks. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to uh, do talk more sports right here on 103.3. The Goat. Thirsty for intelligent sports talk? Sounds like you need a little Goat Array. 103.3 The Goat. The greatest sports talk of all time. Hi, I'm Connie Britton, and I want to share with you the experience of Donna in Washington. She writes... I got injured about five years ago. I was let go when, because of the injury, I couldn't keep up with my schedule. I've tried to find other work, but I'm 68 now. No one wants to hire someone that old. This week is tough, though, because I had to get my tooth fixed. So I only have $10 in my checking account. But it will be okay. I at least have food because of this pantry. Millions of people face hunger. Some every day, just like Donna. The Feeding America network of food banks helps provide over 6 billion meals to people in need each year. Learn more at feedingamerica.org. Feeding America, 200 food banks strong. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PDA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PDA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. 
Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. At four in the morning, my phone rang. They said, I regret to inform you that your husband was wounded in action. Victor sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. I was doing school full-time, and I was also then caring for Victor. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. I just didn't want to forget that I also had goals and that I also had a life. What I did is I challenged Victor to meet me halfway. There are almost six million military and veteran caregivers across the nation. We have our own journey, and we can fulfill that journey at the same time that we are helping our loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Every second counts in a poison emergency. That's why Poison Help is standing by 24-7 to provide free assistance in over 100 languages. Save Poison Help as a contact in your phone today. Poison Help. 1-800-222-1222. Pardon us. Well, we butt in with a little common sense. Back. 103.3 The Goat. The greatest sports talk of all time. Hey, just stop by to say hello, and my gosh, look how busy it is in here. How'd you get all these customers? Yeah, this month has been a record breaker. You know, for a long time, we had decent business coming in by word of mouth, but we weren't growing. Lately, though, a lot of folks have been finding us online, and that's made all the difference. That's terrific. I wish I could figure out how to do that with my shop, but I have no idea where to start. Just do what I did. It's not as hard as you think. Go to mylocalcustomers.com to see exactly how many searches there are for businesses just like yours. Okay, then what? Well, if you see there are a good number of clients searching in our area, you'll also get some suggestions for the best way to get their attention. Do you think there are a lot of people searching for my business? Only one way to find out. Go to mylocalcustomers.com. It's quick, easy, and free. Go to mylocalcustomers.com for a free local customer analysis that will show you how many customers are searching online for your type of business. It's quick, easy, and free. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. That's mylocalcustomers.com. Sounds like it's back to school time, and Staples has great prices on everything you need for school. Save on markers and crayons, save on notebooks and folders, and right now at Staples, save big on tech with up to $250 off select computers. Staples, where savings for school are always in session. N729, in-store only. See associate for details. Build your drink? Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up spills quicker. And each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less than the leading ordinary brand. So, you can get back to your night. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. St. Joseph's Indian School is much more than a school for Native American children. It's like a family. Classes are fun here. I am learning about my culture. Since 1927, St. Joseph's Indian School has provided children the education, health care, and support they need to succeed. To help give our kids brighter futures, learn more at stjo.org today. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just got to hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go! 
Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I'm Shanola Hampton. I support the Feeding America network of food banks because they help provide over 6 billion meals to people in need each year. Learn more at feedingamerica.org. Don't let someone get your goat. There's plenty to go around for everyone. 1033 The Goat, the greatest sports talk of all time. Jumping right in, we're in the 4 o'clock hour, almost to the 5 o'clock hour. We have one more interview, live interview at least, on in the 5 o'clock hour. We have my guy Chris Vosvoglu to come get us ready for Saints training camp. But until then, we're going to... Oh, excuse me. Until then, we're going to recap some of the Sunbelt Media Day interviews. We'll play some of those, and then uh, we'll get you ready for... Uh, the start of the uh, football season, start of training camp. So we'll have one more interview, live interview with Chris Rosvoglu, and then we'll be playing some of the best interviews that Dave did this week. And speaking of, let's start with his interview with Jaden Daniels. Dave sat down with the quarterback for LSU. Let's hear this right here on 103.3 The Goat. Back at SEC Media Days uh, on 103.3 The Goat. Honored and privileged to have the LSU quarterback, Jaden Daniels, on the show. Let's start from the beginning. The first chance we've had to talk with you. Why LSU? Um, why LSU? Uh, just the platform they provide, uh, the talent that they have, and how they're always competing at a very high level. Um, and they're a, a powerhouse of blue blood. Uh, and they have a lot of rich uh, tradition as far as players that they put in the NFL, how successful their players are in the NFL. Um, and I just felt like I had the opportunity to go out there and play against the best competition and the best conference uh, on the biggest stage. And then, and then Brian Kelly's coming in. So a little bit of an upheaval when you decided uh, to come on in. What, what went into that? Other, you know, how did Brian Kelly convince you to come in? I mean, it wasn't really much uh, that he had to do. Obviously, I, I knew his track record uh, at Notre Dame. And even before that, what he does everywhere, he, he pretty much go. He, he's a winning head coach. Um, obviously, he came to LSU for, for uh, another reason to help him get over that hump of winning the championship. You know, he's been to multiple uh, New Year's Six Bowl games, won multiple games like that. But... He got to the got to the playoffs, got to the championship, but never got really got over that hump. So obviously he had a motive of coming to LSU. Uh, he knew the talent that he had here. Um, and obviously I knew the talent too. I knew as an offensive minor head coach, I knew what he was about. Um, and I just wanted, I was intrigued to play with him and all the rest of the factors that came with it. Tougher fall camp, the heat and humidity in Louisiana or the dry heat in Arizona? <laughs> I mean, they both got heat, heat in common. But I'll say the humidity uh, because you're sweating constantly, ridiculous. Uh, your hands are, are uh, very soaked, very moist. It's hard uh, to grip a football sometimes. But i say the humidity got it. We're talking with Jaden Daniels, starting quarterback of the LSU Tigers on a Monday afternoon sports chat with Dave Schultz, 103.3 The Goat uh, at SEC Media Days. All right, what did you... What do you think you were good at when you showed up at LSU? And then what did you want to work on? Uh, I thought I was good at uh, my playmaking skills. And uh, obviously, after this season, uh, I showed that, I showcased that. 
Um, and I just want to keep continue to grow as a leader, um, as a as a pastor, uh, which I know I've been working on. And it takes time, you know, going going through a new scheme, a new system. Also gaining confidence back after the, the season I had a year before that. Um, so that's another battle that you have to fight. It's a mental battle with confidence and everything. But I feel like those are the things that I've, I was good at and then there's things I worked on also. All right. So then, you know, I was talking to Makai and, you know, you guys come in as a group. Used to be anyways, right? And you grow as a group and you got the leaders ahead of you and the young guys behind you. Now it's a whole new thing. How do, how do you go in there? as the quarterback, as someone who's going to be a leader, whether you like it or not, right? Everyone's looking at the quarterback, uh, and you're the new guy. How do you make a new friends? Um, I just had to earn the respect of the guys um, coming in and being a transfer. I had to be able to show that I could play football at a high level. Um, going in there, I had to showcase my skills throughout spring ball. I had to showcase I could make plays, that showcase that – even though those guys seen maybe have seen highlights of me, uh, that doesn't mean nothing until you got to go out there and prove it in front of them. So going in there, you have to earn the respect of the guys, uh, earn the respect of the locker room. Once you earn the respect of the locker room, now you got to earn the respect of coaches um, and go out there and play at a high level. And the coaches got to trust you that you can be able to make those type of plays. Wrapping things up with Jaden Daniels, LSU quarterback on SEC Media Days. All right, you guys set the standard. You guys got too good too fast. You win the SEC West. You're in the SEC Championship. How do you build on that? Um, we take the momentum that we had last year and, and try to catapult it to, to this next upcoming year um, as far as going out there and really just knowing our standard and our process of how we want to approach things and how everything needs to go um, and take it day by day and really enjoy it. He's Jaden Daniels, LSU starting quarterback on a Monday afternoon sports chat. Thanks so much and best of luck this year. Thank you. That was my guy, Dave Schultz. Like I said, we'll be doing the best of, uh, gave you two hours, and then we'll be doing the best of for the rest of the show, except for our Chris Rosvoglu interview. So let's take a break. When we come back, going to be playing more of the interviews from SEC Media Days right here on 103.3. The GOAT. Gulf Coast Bank says congrats to our 2023 high school graduates. Stop by any Gulf Coast Bank location to open a personal checking account and receive $50. No monthly service charge for five years and entry into Gulf Coast Bank's grad promo sweepstakes. All Gulf Coast personal checking accounts come with free online banking, free online bill pay, free e-statements, free Gulf Coast Bank mobile app with mobile check deposit, free 24-7 telephone banking, and more. Gulf Coast Bank is proud to salute the 2023 high school graduates. $50 account credit received at account opening. $50 minimum deposit to open with online banking and bill pay, mobile banking, mobile online alerts, and other similar services. Message, data, and or internet service provider rates apply as applicable. With debit cards, overdraft, and return item fees may apply. Promotion ends August 31st, 2023. No purchase necessary to enter the sweepstakes. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. 
PDA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PDA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double arm kid carry. Looks like dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like mom doesn't realize her car.